health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. Jeff Foster has such a fun and playful energy. It makes this final Thursday guest interview podcast of the series an absolute joy to be part of. His message is deep and inspiring. His story is a powerful one. But the way he delivers it so humbly, so openly, the way it meanders and finds its way back to the core messaging, this is beautiful. I'm going to focus my final Tuesday episode of this series on something he said that I feel is really worth something when it comes to human potential and especially the way we look at it. I'd been trying to eradicate my doubts because you know, I thought that's what enlightenment was, was a state where of no doubts, you know, and some spiritual teachers were saying that once you become enlightened or blah, 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 all doubts will disappear or fear will disappear. And what I realized was this, this is all just, the, this is all just a fantasy. This is the mind's version of enlightenment. This is, this is actually quite violent. It felt, started to feel quite violent. What have I been doing? What's wrong with doubt? This, this is the question I started to ask myself was like, it's like, oh shit, what's wrong with doubt? What's, what's wrong with being sad? What's wrong with my imperfections? Something in my brain just switched because it's all made of the same stuff. So Jeff has had his enlightening experiences already. He's, he's recognized the true oneness of his being by transcending the physical body-mind boundaries of individuality. And yet he still faces problems. How about that? It's not a bed of roses for him. Still encounters vulnerability, insecurity and doubt. But what on earth does that mean? Culturally, I think we've got a rather resilient and defiant idea of what happiness and fulfillment is. Are we not conditioned to believe that getting everything we ever wanted, being recognized, worshipped or adored by everyone, or by having some kind of power to control everything, it all adds up to a, a utopian endpoint. We really feel that once we attain this stage, this state or situation in life, that'll be it. The dissolution of all our concerns, the death of all our problems and our challenges. And I say it's a, a bit of a resilient and defiant idea because it stands so strong in the face of all our experiential evidence. Because our honest direct experience tells us, or certainly mine does, that when we've achieved, when we've had success, when we've arrived at goals, yeah, it feels good for a bit. Awesome sometimes. But then not long after, it fades away. It stops feeling so good and starts feeling very, very similar to how it did before. We're all here now and despite what we may have achieved before, we're all still having our downs. And despite failing many times in the past, we're also all still having our ups. Our beliefs may try and convince us though that things haven't really moved for us yet because we just haven't quite achieved enough. The next thing though, that'll do it, for sure this time. 
in my life, whether I've been on the wrong end of humiliating defeats, on the right side of phenomenal victories, the results, generally speaking, have been the same. That's to say that after a little reacting to the event, whether that's celebrating the big victories, the, the amazing stuff, or whether it's commiserating and hiding away after the tough stuff, I feel in some way, after a while, to get going again. I feel inspired to get back on track. And maybe that means looking for more in the same direction as before, or maybe that means taking a new uh, track altogether. It doesn't matter. The point is, I bounce back. I bounce back even from success and euphoria. It still means bouncing back. To see fulfillment, and heaven forbid, to see potential as some kind of destination or a place that we're actually going to arrive at one day and be happy to just sit still in and live happily ever after in, I think it's a really limiting understanding. To see joy as a place of no challenge, that's lowballing it big style. We have to remember that life goes on after the credits stop rolling in those Hollywood films we keep watching. After all, we never do get to see the hero couple arguing over what's for breakfast the following morning, do we? I once heard Rupert Spira, our first ever guest on the first series of I Am, using an analogy that involved imagining our consciousness or our potential as a huge rubber ball. And he spoke about how this ball is contracted and squeezed down in order to fit inside the confines of the mind and body and the way that we identify ourselves. Consciousness is the ball. Its, its immediate and natural response is to begin expanding back to its original state its infinite state. And as it does this, it pushes against our self-created limits. And this pressing urge, this constant nagging sense of pressure, he explained that to be what we feel as desire, an inherent crucial part of life and the power behind our growth. Sadhguru, another one of our season one guests, said recently that every longing we have is actually a longing for the infinite finding expression in installments. I think this is really interesting. Our desire for me is the force behind this worldly existence. Without the desire to breathe, without the desire for the heart to beat, for the sun to rise, for so many millions and billions and trillions and infinite numbers of things that need to interact and connect and respond in beautiful harmony, there could be no life. And behind it is the desire for it to happen. We ourselves look for peace by trying to outrun our desire or burn the last of it off. I think all we may find in this state is the end of our time here, a different kind of peace than the one we're looking for. Our desire to uncover or realize our true essence, I really do feel is what's driving this human journey, but this innate energy and purpose and this infinite worth gets refracted, as we've spoken about before on this podcast, refracted and filtered by those personal beliefs and, and personal constructs within us. And as it comes out the other side of these, it takes the shape of individual goals, urges and needs. It's so much smaller and less powerful. That light is, is dimmed down. It becomes so much, I guess, so much more individual and separate. But also those urges, those goals, and those needs send us looking for what we're really after in places I don't think we're ever going to find them. When I've felt the least inspired, creative, and expressive 
in my life, it tends to marry up with when my desires have remained fixated on the same thing and in the same way. Everything becomes so routine, so reactive, so cyclical, so robotic. It's like an addiction, whether it be winning, achieving, impressing others, proving myself. This obsessive need definitely controlled me. Yes, I won some things and I achieved some things and people supported me in ways I can't even begin to appreciate. But no matter how much of this took place, what remained untouched throughout was the inner turmoil and the sense of unworthiness, the emptiness, the fear, the urgency that seemed to be driving them all along. Our relationship with desire is, I find, immensely important when it comes to evolving and growing. Desire isn't going away, nor do we want it to, I don't think. Coming to terms with that is a big, big thing. We're not going to stop desiring. We're not going to beat it. Coming to terms with also the fact that whatever we're chasing, it's never going to be enough. These things are huge to accept, but it's definitely worthwhile. I'm certainly not advocating just sacking off desire as a solution either. We need this energy to move, to expand. We need this passion to create our own individual worlds in our own individual ways that makes this experience of life in this universe so, so incredible. Without this energy, with this desire, we just become stagnant. And when things sit still like that, it also becomes toxic and unhealthy. So we are creative beings. I think it's our greatest gift. The issue for me comes when we get attached to our creations for our sense of worth instead of recognizing that our true worth is in our capacity to create, our creativity. So holding on to what we create, believing in these finite things, these objects, events and situations, that these are somehow going to add some kind of value to the infinite nature of who we are on the deepest level. It turns us against our gift. We become more interested in protecting what we have instead of creating what we really want. We cannot protect and create at the same time. When we choose to become survivors like this, we automatically, I think, take on a belief in scarcity and also become distrustful. Certainly in my case, my imagination contracts into that threat scanning mode. My journey breaks up into past and future as I prioritize analysis above everything else, especially above creativity. In order to create, we need to be able to move freely and explore the boundless possibilities of who we are beyond the physical, those boundless possibilities of our imagination. It doesn't matter what conditions are imposed upon us, our creativity cannot be cornered, trapped or limited in any way. Key elements underneath this freedom, trusting in life, understanding our true worth, recognizing abundance and living in the now. They're all crucial to that creative state. So love it and let it go. Love each moment and let it go. Even carrying the smallest thing around with us will eventually destroy us with mental and physical agony and tension if we force ourselves to hang on to it for long enough. Just a two, three kilogram dumbbell for one day, it would compromise us enormously. 
such compensation in the body. At the end of the day, we'll have bad back, we'll have bad everything else, we'll be tired, fatigued, angry. And by the end of the year, if we carry on holding on to things, we'll look so different, move so differently. The light of who we are will be so dulled. We become shells of what we could be. Imagine what's happening with what we are holding on to. So where there is a will, there's always a way. But where there's a will, there will also be challenge. When we have a vision, when we're invested in that vision, when we are really, really caring about what it is we want to create, yes, there's going to be disappointment. The bigger the goal and the more that we care, perhaps, yes, the bigger the challenge. But where there's this kind of energy and intensity and willingness, there is the scope for enormous transformation. Accept and respond. For me, this I think is so, so big. This is where I am. Accept. Where I think I should be right now or what I think should have been becomes so much more irrelevant. Where do I want to go next is all that matters and getting all our energy and attention back so we can tune it on that. That's enormous. A purposeful stride forward, a truly purposeful stride forward, brings every previous step into perfect alignment. Trying to make sense of what has been in order that we can move on, it's like looking back over our previous step whilst trying to make the next one. I've tried this. It's so difficult, it becomes a balancing act. Not only have you got no idea where you're going, no awareness of that at all, just staying on, our, on my feet was hard enough. Advancing with any real power, purpose, no chance. Moving on into the unknown with relaxed conviction though, that automatically makes sense of what has been and it reveals all we'll need to know along the way. Now that is trust. The event, whatever it is, it seems difficult to do, but for me, I get the feeling that, well, certainly my understanding is that these events, whatever they are, they have no meaning. Like words in dictionaries, the definition comes afterwards. Without the definition, it's just an empty string of letters. The same way that an event is just an occurrence. How we respond to that event is what defines it. And our next response to the next event if committed and engaged enough, can define every step we've ever taken before. It can rewrite our past. Real meaning for me, therefore, is revealed to us and through us, through intuition, inspiration, surprise, and such creativity. And this is what comes about by simply remaining relaxed, staying tuned in, and being present. Real meaning isn't revealed by us through deduction and logic. That's just self-serving and reinforcing limits, I think. The best recipe for remaining receptive to all this new understanding, this amazing surprise and higher intelligence is full acceptance, relaxation, gratitude for life, and a total involvement in it. Another way to look at this for me is to try and take as an exercise you can do even just in your your back, uh, your back garden or in your house somewhere, try taking bigger and bigger strides forwards as you gently accelerate through a space. It's actually not that difficult, but try doing it whilst working out 
an impossibly difficult sum in your mind. It's just not possible. Something has to give. When you take on the sum, naturally you stop accelerating. You slow down. You lose impetus. You lose momentum. You lose the feel of the ground. You just become distracted and absent. Working out how I'm doing at life and living it fully at the same time, I just don't think it's possible. The two are not aligned at all. They're from different realms of existence going in totally opposite directions. One is all about limits, the other is all about potential. I do believe we have a choice as to whether we grow or not along this journey of ours. And that choice is either opening our hearts and surrendering this need to control and know, or spending our days enslaved by it. As we've continued to explore throughout the series, sitting with desires, urges, thoughts and feelings, just observing them, welcoming them, observing also the repetitive, familiar suffering sensations and the patterns of the mind and allowing them to be what they are. It's that that helps release what they're trying to tell us. We've spoken before about how being recruited by these feelings and going off in efforts to solve them and get rid of them and all these kind of things, it just keeps them there. But what releases their meaning in these amazing, spontaneous, unimaginable ways is simply being with them that relaxation, that flow, that grace, that acceptance, and that gratitude. And this same state is what also allows us to tune into those deeper, more subtle voices of passion and interest and excitement, the ones that get lost in that habitual fear-mongering and the urgency and the constant natter. When we can hear what these have got to say to us, maybe they can help us venture into our vulnerability and help us go somewhere new. At some point when we deem it right and safe enough to do so, we just need to move with it and let ourselves be guided by that amazing desire that's always been, is always, and will always be there for us. I hope you enjoy this podcast coming up on Thursday. Jeff Foster's an amazing guy. He's got some phenomenal stories. He's a great storyteller. Some of them have stuck with me hugely. He's also got a really vibrant, energetic, kind of presence and a brilliant laugh as well that makes this a, an upbeat and very enjoyable, easy listen. This also brings us to the end of the series and it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to be on this journey and as I keep saying, it's been so awesome having you on it too. And we will continue to prep and to look forward to the next series. We can't wait to get stuck in with new guests some of whom we're already uh, speaking to, guests that we're being guided towards by yourselves, that we're also finding out uh, about ourselves and our own daily lives. And these guests who have amazing stories to tell, they have amazing experiences, they've been through things they've learned, challenges they've faced, crises, moments they've overcome, some have fallen to, whatever it is, they have brilliant messages to share and uh, I think it's going to be phenomenally exciting as we continue. And, and the point is, is that without you guys here, without your contributions, it just wouldn't be what it is. So I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you enjoy this one to come. I hope you've had a great time with this series. Please keep sending in your thoughts, your ideas, and letting us know what's going on in your worlds. And I can't wait to catch up with you again really, really soon. Until then, my name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Jeff Foster. 
So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Max Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy.